In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, amen. John 6 is one of those chapters uh, that the readings of uh, um, uh, Vespers and Matins and the, God, the, and the liturgy today are taken from. It's one of those chapters where Jesus says stuff that um, is just uh, unbelievable. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you, and so on. Many people claim that Jesus is an excellent moral teacher. And I have no qualms with that, for sure. But he's much more. He is, he is the living Son of God. And the things he says, the claims that he makes, cannot be dismissed. Um, and only, only the Son of God can say these things. Or, uh, you know, forgive me, in the words of much smarter and holier men than I, a lunatic. Like, if someone walks around saying, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you, Either they're nuts, or it's real, or it's true, right? And what gives Jesus, what gives Jesus the ability to say this? Yes, he is the incarnate Son of God. Yes, he has this very unique, divine, and human nature. Yes, all of these things. But what gives, what, what gives him access for you and for me is when he says this. He says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the most amazing thing about Jesus, is that Jesus, through his willingness to obey the Father in all things, undoes the unwillingness of our humanity to follow God, starting with Adam, you know, in the garden, or Eve in the garden, both of us, them, the whole way down to me. Jesus is complete and, and unequivocal obedience to the Father is magnificent. It is our glory. It is our joy. It is everything I'm missing. And every time I am not perfectly obedient to my Father, I can look to the throne and I can say, but I have an advocate there, like it says in the epistle of the first epistle of St. John, who is, who is human, who has taken up my humanity, who has taken up my disobedience and completed it with his obedience. And so he says, Jesus says, I did not come down from heaven to do my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Well, it would be, the natural question would be, what is the will of the Father who sent you? He goes on to tell us, this is the will of the Father who sent me. This is what I was saying in the, in the introduction to the Catholic epistle, that oftentimes if we pay close attention, we'll find that the epistle writers, will find that Jesus, when he speaks, will find that the Holy Spirit is telling us what we really want to know is what is why, right? This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up at the last day. This is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. This is his will. This is the will of the Father. This is his plan from the beginning of time, is that we would all live with him forever. But somehow, 
somehow, and we'll talk about this in the Sunday series this, this afternoon, so we won't go into it too much now, somehow has crept into our minds and in our hearts some kind of, uh, of, 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 of doubt, of, of, of uncertainty, of being shaken in this idea that God wants us with Him forever and that He has done everything that it re is required, that is needed for me to spend eternal life with Him forever. When, um, when uh, I was a kid, um, our parents would take us on a, a family holiday but once a year or something in the summer, you know, on a road trip and we'd end up on some beach in the U.S. or something like that, right? Or every now and again, uh, we'd travel, I don't know, to Europe or to Egypt or to whatever, right? Well, as you grow older, when you're a, when you're a little kid, you're happy being in your family. As you grow older, you wanna, what do you want to do? You, you, want, you want to be with your friends, right? So at one point, I think my sister told my parents, uh, you, you know, I would rather spend time with my friends. So my parents asked her which which friend and she said she named somebody so my parents asked her parents if that friend could come along on our holiday right now when my parents asked if that friend could come along on the holiday they didn't say okay well look you know since we're four people and you'll be the fifth well gas is probably gonna cost this much and food is gonna cost this much and so on and here's the bill you know Right? She was invited as our guest. And so if she was invited as our guest and she came on holiday with us, we did everything that was required to make sure that she could spend that time with us. I'm sure what I'm saying is not like, like strange or a foreign concept or you think like my parents were exceedingly generous or anything. It was quite a normal behavior. Why do we think that that's not normal of God? If he wants us to spend a forever holiday with him, why would we think that it is not, it, he wouldn't go to the lengths of doing everything necessary for that to happen? Now, if those lengths are the cross and the resurrection, if he has paid such a dear price and done such unimaginable things as becoming incarnate, and not then just becoming incarnate, but living the poorest human life, and then dying on the cross, and then rising from the dead for our sakes, what would, where in the world does it, does it make sense that he would lose out on his investment? If you invested a lot of money into something, you would want to see that thing succeed, yes or no? Of course. If you invested your life in something, you would definitely want to see it succeed. And so, and, and so it is for Christ. And so he has done everything necessary. His obedience is the completion of all of my opportunities to be obedient. And he shares that with us today. And so today, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. What is the bread of life? I am your sustenance. What's another time Jesus referred to bread? Jesus referred to bread in, in, on, on the temptation mount, right? 
And he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, if every word which proceeds from the mouth of God enters one ear and goes out the other, then it won't really serve as my sustenance. What, what is necessary for every word which proceeds from the mouth of God to be my sustenance, to be the thing by which I live, by which I am sustained, by which I have no further need? It would be necessary that I, yes, hear every word which proceeds from the mouth of God, but then that I do it. The Hebrew word for the word hear, I can't remember what the word is right now, but the word means to hear and to do. It doesn't mean just to listen. It's different from the word listen. One means to hear something, like you listen to music. You listen to music and you think to yourself, oh gee, that was nice, or that's not really my kind of thing, or whatever, you know? But there's no, there's no follow-up action that is required of listening to music. You may choose to get up and dance. That's up to you. But there's no... But the Word of God is always carries with it. Always carries with it lot, power for our lives to change. And so hearing the Word of God is intimately associated with doing what we hear. And if I, if, I, if I ended the sermon now and said, glory be to God forever and ever, ever, amen, that could be kind of convicting for a lot of us, which may or may not be a good thing. But the story of the resurrection is, is that Jesus himself is the one who is obedient. When he says, who then is that faithful and wise servant whom his, whom his master will make ruler over all his household, that only applies to Jesus. But I no longer have to walk around feeling guilty that I'm disobedient or guilty that I'm this or guilty that I'm that. All I have to do is to ask the Lord, Jesus Christ, to complete all which is lacking in me. And then I have, this is crazy. This is like, this is a total game changer. Then I have the same favor as the Lord Jesus Christ before his father. How can I not stand and pray? How can I not stand before my father in heaven? if I have the certainty that all the love and favor that exists between the Father and the Son is due to me. We uh, do this waffle breakfast in one of the schools next neighboring schools. And uh, when you walk in, they have these things, you know, beautiful, colorful things on the walls and whatever. And they have these, those vinyl stickers, you know, those, those vinyl like uh, lettering on the wall. And uh, one of them, right when you walk in, says, Every child deserves for the, the eyes of an adult to light up when they walk into the room. And I read that and I was very, kind of felt very convicted because, you know, sometimes, you know, most of the time when I see my daughters, my eyes light up, but sometimes one of them has done something or whatever and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in more of a kind of rebuking mood or something like that. 
I want to tell you something. Our Father in Heaven, His eyes light up every single time you come and I come and stand before Him. Every single time you and I look up, His eyes light up. How much do they light up? They light up as much as if Jesus is the one who is looking at Him. Because Jesus has brought us into Himself through all of the different acts of his life, from the Annunciation right through to Pentecost, and that's why we celebrate all of these, that's why we celebrate all of these things as major lordly feasts, right? But the point, the point of today is that our sustenance is the Word of God, is the obedience to the Word of God, which has been made complete in him, which he has perfected in him, which he has made lacking nothing in him yes but between me and God between me and God I know that there is things that need to, to change I know that there's things that need to improve that's what confession is about is about coming and between me and God we have a conversation but me and God in front of the world God will never rebuke me. Look at how many times it says in the Old Testament, and God said, the word of so-and-so shall not fall to the ground. The word of Moses, the word of Elijah, the word of Samuel. I'll give you an example, which is not 100%. It's, it's controversial, okay? Um, Elijah goes to King Ahab, and he tells him, Y'all are idolaters, worshipping idols. Unless you stop worshipping idols, it's not going to rain. And, it, and Ahab tells him, you're like some homeless guy from the desert. Get out of my face, right? And it doesn't rain. For three and a half years, it doesn't rain. Now, all biblical commentators and scholars agree that there is absolutely no evidence that God ever told Elijah to go speak to King Ahab. Now, maybe he did, and it's just not written. A lot of things are not written. Or maybe he didn't. Or maybe, and the, 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 the opposite side of commentators say, that if you look at the character of Elijah, he was very impulsive, and he was very fiery, and he was, and he just, it's very possible, in fact, it's even likely, that he just couldn't stand the idolatry of Israel anymore. He went right to the top, he went right to the top and said, this is probably going to cost me my life, so it doesn't matter what I say. And he said, you know what? So suppose that that's true. God listened to Elijah. God listened to Moses. Another very unpopular biblical truth is that nowhere do you find a command from God to build a temple. So whose idea was it? David. It was David's idea. David couldn't stand, his conscience couldn't stand that he was living, going to live in a palace and God was going to live in a tent. God tells David, no, 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 no. And when Solomon, when Solomon comes around, David commands Solomon. So God tells Solomon, fine, build it. God is 
has, he loves us so much. And all of this is before, this is all the grace of God in the Old Testament. How much more now? How much more now are you and I covered by his obedience, by his grace, by his kindness, by his love? How much more now? How much more now? Are we not to be confident, certain that the grace of God covers all of my weakness, that the grace of God it completes all of what is lacking in me, and that He has invited me on this forever holiday called everlasting life. He has, he has given His life for it. He will make sure that I will be there with him forever. Glory be to God forever and ever. And I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.